0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, June 12th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Stocks in the U.S. and in Europe slumped on Thursday over the uptick in U.S. coronavirus cases and a gloomy prognosis from the Federal Reserve. And the U.K. government is making a significant U-turn when it comes to border checks. Plus, HSBC is trying to walk a geopolitical tightrope. The FT's Stephen Morris explains the repercussions the bank might face for supporting China's national security law for Hong Kong. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, the S&P 500 fell by nearly 6%. The day after the Nasdaq hit an all-time high, it dropped by over 5%. The stock 600, the UK's FTSE 100, and the German DAX extra all down. Investors were rattled, rattled by the Federal Reserve's warning on Wednesday that the U.S. was facing a years-long recovery from the effects of the coronavirus and rattled by an uptick in the U.S. virus cases themselves. The FT's coronavirus correspondent, David Crow, has more on the recent rise in infections and why this one has investors spooked.
1: So we're seeing this uptick in new cases, and the reason at the moment is somewhat contested. You would expect to see a rise in case count that was kind of correlated with uh, increases in testing capacity. If you do more tests, you find more cases and your case count goes up. But perhaps more worrying is there is some sort of early signs, too, that hospitalizations are rising as well. And then the the real statistic that everybody cares about is the mortality statistic, the death statistics. That's what shows you when the pandemic is sort of back with a vengeance. And we won't know that for a little while. They tend to trail the hospitalizations data. So part of it probably can be explained by increased testing. But the people I speak to say not all. And in fact, transmission is increasing in these states.
0: And David, why does this translate to what we saw yesterday? Things have been really resilient in the equities market lately.
1: Well, the biggest fear among investors is that this uptick in cases and hospitalizations is a direct sort of product of economic reopening, that it happened too quickly in these places. Maybe they never shut down as sort of uh, stringently as they should have. Maybe people there aren't adhering to social distancing recommendations, mask wearing and so on. And the fear is that you reopen the economy and that the virus comes back sort of worse than ever. And that would, I suppose, lead to calls in in some sectors of society for new lockdowns. Now, we should say that Steve Nuchin, the Treasury Secretary, has said there won't be a second lockdown. And I suppose it's important to remember the goalposts uh, for an economic lockdown are the healthcare sector, the healthcare system can cope. The aim of managing a pandemic is not to have zero deaths, but to have them at such a a rate that everybody that needs care gets the care that they uh, require and so on, and that the hospital system doesn't fall over. So there has to be, you know, you would expect as the economy reopens to see some increase in cases, but probably not as quickly as this. And then adding to all of this doom and gloom is Fed Chair Jay Powell signalling that this is going to be a very long, slow, painful recovery. There was quite a lot of market exuberance after the May unemployment uh, data, and now a sort of sense that a fear, if you like, that that might have been a dead cat bounce, um, and that really uh, this is going to be a long slog.
0: The chaos caused by coronavirus is having far-reaching effects this time when it comes to Brexit and UK border controls. The British government is set to ditch its plan to introduce full border checks with the EU on January 1st. Instead, there will be a temporary light-touch regime at UK ports, and they will apply whether or not Britain secures a free trade agreement with the EU. But officials did say that goods flowing to the EU from the UK are likely to face full checks as they enter France. Officials have come under pressure from businesses, and this move shows that Cabinet Office Minister Michael Gove has accepted that they can't be expected to cope with COVID-19 and deal with border disruption. It's a significant U-turn when it comes to post-Brexit policy. It was just February when Mr. Gove announced that goods coming from the EU would face the full range of checks. Pro-Brexit MPs were in favor of the approach. It was meant to give the UK leverage in negotiations over the future relationship. The new measures are expected to last six months, and the official announcement on the plans could come as soon as today. HSBC, the British multinational bank founded in Hong Kong more than 150 years ago, is balancing on a geopolitical tightrope. Under former chief executive Stuart Gulliver, the bank pivoted to an Asian strategy. Now, a new Beijing-backed security law for Hong Kong is forced the bank to make a choice over where its loyalties lie. Stephen Morris, our banking editor, has more.
2: This is really the first time HSBC has been overtly forced to pick sides by either China or the US or the UK. HSBC makes the vast majority of its profits in Asia. More than half from Hong Kong Um, and another 10% on mainland China with grand ambitions to invest hundreds of billions of dollars more. And as such, it knows where its bread is buttered.
0: Now, backing up a little bit, two months before this tough decision came, HSBC made another decision to cancel its dividend. Why was this particularly unpopular with retail shareholders in Hong Kong?
2: About a third of HSBC's shareholder base is made up of these individual or family small shareholders in Hong Kong, which is very, very unusual for a multinational corporation. And there was a lot of resentment, one, because of the surprise, and two, because they see HSBC as an Asian bank that makes almost all of its money in Hong Kong, China, Singapore, etc., and not an English bank. So for the Bank of England to order them to keep capital in the country in case British businesses and European and U.S. clients need additional funding was very, very controversial. They, th- The small shareholders threatened a lawsuit, which ultimately won't come about. But it's just another evidence of the increasingly delicate balancing act HSBC finds itself having to perform in order
0: to keep all of its stakeholders on side. And if these things weren't enough, Stephen, HSBC is also going through a restructuring, will this make the bank even more dependent on Asia?
2: Well, in March this year, the new CEO and chairman announced a strategy which will see them try and invest even more money in Asia, where they get much more return for each dollar, pound invested. The chairman, during the coronavirus, has actually ordered a review of the strategy, which was not even three months old yet, looking to perhaps further cut the U.S., and Europe and reinvest that in Asia.
0: And Stephen, there's some uneasiness over HSBC's decision to back the Hong Kong security law. It's coming from some institutional investors, notably Aviva. Is this likely to have serious repercussions for the bank?
2: When uh, a shareholder is large as Aviva, which is, of course, a yeah, big insurer and pension fund as well, it has to be taken seriously. But you also have to imagine that the executives and chairman went out and spoke to all their major shareholders and made a business decision that they will just have to take the criticism they faced in the UK Parliament from the US Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, and also from some of their biggest shareholders. The moment we haven't seen anyone sell out in response... But large institutional investors, especially those that manage people's pensions, are increasingly looking at environmental and social reasons to invest in companies. And, and we're seeing a lot of those that fall foul of some of these criteria see the repercussions. So whilst there's been no evidence of that among sh- HSBC's shareholder base yet, certainly the comments from vivo would have been a shot across its bow.
0: So Stephen, I guess the bottom line is, can the bank survive all of this and remain headquartered in London?
2: Well, London has been an incredibly useful place for HSBC to be located since 1993 when it moved its headquarters from Hong Kong. But we've already seen some splits emerge internally. So I anticipate another review, maybe in the next few years, just to see if the bank is best placed in London. My gut instinct is that, yes, London is still the best place, but maybe in 10, 20 years time, that won't be true anymore.
0: You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filippino. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik, and we had help from Gavin Coleman and Michael Bruning. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music.